He is risen, Cypress Creek Church. Thank you, kids and families. Oh, man, I, I, a friend texted me earlier this week, and he said, man, empty church on Easter, crazy. And the first thing that came to my mind was, you know what's crazy is an empty tomb that we celebrate today and we celebrate every day when our faith is in Jesus Christ. So I want to welcome everyone. In fact, I want to say hello to a few people on Facebook and YouTube that are logged on. Let's see here on Facebook. We got Lucas Kiowski checking in from Greenville, Texas. Ben's brother, what up, Lucas? Joseph, what up, man? Good morning. Let's see, Beth, glorious day. Happy Easter, y'all. Happy Easter, Beth and, and Jeff. Uh, on Facebook, let me see, let me see. Tuck, whoop. What up, the Schmoes? Happy Easter, Schmoes. Who else do we have? The Cheshires, Winkleman's. It is a good day. And we are not together here, but it's good to be together live in one moment to celebrate the risen Christ. So at Cypress Creek Church, we do today a little bit different. I am going to read a passage of scripture. And then what I'm going to do is pass it on to two of our folks Two people that have resurrecting, uh, resurrection stories, stories of redemption, of the way that God has redeemed them. We're going to hear from them, and then we're actually going to close by sharing communion together, by participating and in, in showing up at the Lord's table all together. So if you don't already, if you have some you know, crackers laying around or, or some bread, if you have something else, be creative. It's not about the actual thing that's on the table. It's about what it symbolizes. It's about what the bread and the wine or the grape juice symbolize in that Good Friday was good, but today is even better because we declare victory over death. And no matter what circumstance may be going on, man, I'm looking, on, I'm looking outside and I'm seeing a sunny sky. We had a tornado warning last night here in Wimberley, but right now I'm looking at a sunny Sky, it is Redemption Day, Resurrection Day. So I'm gonna pray and then I wanna, op I wanna read the resurrection narrative and then we'll go to the two videos. Let's pray together. Jesus, we magnify your name as we sang earlier. We thank you that death was arrested and we thank you that today we celebrate that the old is gone and the new has come, that we have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer we who live, but it is you who lives within us. And we thank you, Jesus, for redemption. You love redemption. You lo we love to see and hear a good redemption story. And so I thank you for the many ways that you have redeemed all of us and those watching. Father, I pray that we would all ask the question this morning, how has the Lord redeemed me? What does the resurrection truly mean to me? I thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you died, and you were buried, but you rose again. We thank you for the victory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24, we see the resurrection 
of Jesus. He actually shows up, the, a couple of women show up to the tomb. They see that the tomb is empty and then they go and, and tell the disciples. Then Jesus actually appears to two of the disciples walking to Emmaus and he's incognito so they don't really know it's him. And when they find out it is him, they run and they tell the disciples. So this is the context of Luke chapter 24. We're gonna start reading in verse 36. It says that, and just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you. First words of the resurrected Christ was peace. And I say to all of you watching at home, peace be with you. God brought peace when he sent Jesus. But the whole group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands and look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies that you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. If you are not in relationship with Jesus, if you really haven't taken the plunge and jumped in and said that Jesus is Lord and Savior, I encourage you, examine Seek him out. His very words right here are saying, seek me, touch me, check me out. And so don't feel any pressure. What we are going to do today is that we are going to bear witness. We are going to show what God has done in our lives and how he has redeemed us, how he has brought us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, no matter what circumstance may be that surround us, we can have hope because of what Jesus has done. Verse 41, still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and, and he ate it as, as they watched. I can just think of the disciples just watching and be like, well, this guy's eating fish. What's going on? Verse 44, then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So Jesus fulfills this entire book. The Bible is all about Jesus. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That is the good news. That is the good news that Jesus came. And, and my question to you is, it, what, what does that mean for you that Jesus was resurrected from the dead? We're going to see these two stories, these two stories of redemption and see Isaiah 43, one in the flesh. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now you may be wondering who these people are, so I'm not gonna make you wait any longer. Our first video is Max Sabolet. Check it out. My name is Max, and this is my redemption story. Isaiah 35, hope for restoration. Even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon. 
as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. At a young age, uh, uh, tragedy had basically taken over my whole conscience. I was born to a, a Colombian father and a Brazilian mom in, in Chicago. My mom had gotten sick um, when I was, basically right after I was born. So the whole time I knew her, she's just been battling with cancer. She ended up dying um, when, I, when I was uh, seven years old. Um, I ended up living in Brazil with my family. And while my dad was getting affairs in order in, in America, he had actually passed away. So I was living in Brazil with my three siblings. So really quickly, uh, from a young age, I just felt like total like despair. Like when Catherine read uh, Isaiah 35, you know, as a young boy, I felt like I was in the wilderness. That's why when I read that chapter, it, it felt so um, like I could be put in that chapter. One of my greatest memories my mom had uh, had given me was her reading the word to me. When Jose approached me to talk about this, um, my redemption story, uh, he, had, he had sent me Isaiah 43. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Yeah, and that was, that was one thing my mom had always um, had told me when she was reading the word, she, she would explain that she was sick and that she wasn't going to be there in the future, but God had called me um, his son and that I'm his. I really felt that fear had encompassed me. I felt that um, that it was um, basically being a disabler to me. Uh, I wouldn't, I would cut, I'd cut back from doing things. I wouldn't um, allow myself to who I, I truly felt that God was calling me to be. And so that's when I, I, I really reached out and wanted, I, need, I needed a savior, I, I needed direction. At a, at a young age, I knew the direction the world had um, was just, you know, at an end road. I gave myself to the Lord at a, at, a, at a really young age, and I wanted to rebuke fear, but it was always, you know, I guess you could say haunting me. So we, I grew up in, for a few years in Brazil. My brother had taken adoption over me and my siblings, so I moved to California, and, uh, you know, fear also followed me there. But, um, you know, my brother gave me a great household. Um, he was very loving, and my sister-in-law, Debbie, uh, just provided, a, you know, ideal uh, place to grow up, sports and all that, but yet fear was always there. And so, you know, I would ask myself, why am I dealing with this fear that, you know, to the normal person I would talk to, they would never think that, oh, Max is scared of doing this, or Max is scared of doing that because I, it would be, it's an internal fight, and that internal fight just wouldn't allow me to do things. So I'm moving back to, I'm moving back to the United States and, um, and living with my brother, we quickly found a church, um, and Catherine was one of the first friends I ever met in, in America. <laughs> one of the first times I, I heard an audible voice, a conscious, audible voice. God said that I would marry this woman at the age of 10 years old. 
And it was the weirdest thing. And so she, obviously to people that know us, she's been um, such a foundation in my growth um, with the Lord. And growing, growing together, you know, in church and doing all that thing that, you know, teenagers do, it wasn't like perfect or it wasn't, uh, we all had our individual struggles that that fear would always just be creeping. And um, I just, I hated it. We ended up getting married <laughs> and um, it was, it was just uh, a blessing for our lives. But God had allowed me to realize that that this fear thing is just, it's, it's, not, it's not something that you could live with. But this is where my redemption really um, takes kind of full effect is when I realize that God does not, did not plan for me to uh, be this way. And, and he, he paid for that on the cross. Things like spiritual discipline, like reading the word, I used, little by little I started really kind of getting my grasp of how I could read the word. I, I would open my heart to worship. And fear, you, I could tell that fear was kind of crumbling. For me, um, it was monumental to kind of put those spiritual disciplines together, start to realize that fear, you know, is from the enemy. Fear um, um, shouldn't have a place in my household. Feeling like, growing up, feeling like I was in that dry wasteland that Isaiah 35 talks about. I would look back to that verse that Jose, you had given me, Isaiah 43, and kind of made a connection towards my mom. Now she used to tell me, she's like, Max, God knows you, you know, and he's, he knows you by your name. I'm not gonna be here, but God would always be there. So making that connection was was vital to me in my growth. So, you know, you're growing up as a kid, you, 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 know your, you know your savior, you know he died for you, but taking, taking that next step in my walk was really allowing myself to, to grasp that whole thought of redemption and making it personal to me. Um, that was huge because it just allowed me, allowed me to, to realize I can't do it on my own. That's why he died for me. So I would basically have to like do a total surrender. Where like in my background with my family, um, you know, the culture I grew up in, surrendering is like almost like, wait a second, like you, you're a man, you shouldn't surrender. Like, and allowing, allowing that surrender really allowed me to clearly see his redeeming grace. Fears will always be there, but it's, it's allowing his grace, his redemption story for you to, for me to like be realized. And from that on, you know, that it was a game changer for me. This year has been hard for us, hard for Catherine. Catherine had gone through two miscarriages. We've had um, accidents happen on our property. Catherine's grandparents dying, just one after another. And at, at, at points of that, of this year, it almost circled back to that despair or that, that valley that, you, that I felt as a child. The difference was um, that redemption story that I tried explaining 
the story that he knows me, the story that, um, you know, he will never leave me and never forsake me. And, and, and it, that allowed me to confront fear and lead my family to, um, to those spiritual disciplines, actually, that I spoke about. Like we would worship, our worship game just went up, you know, reading verses like together as a whole, like, because we, 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 were, in the, we were in that valley again, you know, but that true north was, was clear for us. So it was like, it's okay that we're in that valley. We just have to go through. He's allowing us to go through it because we know that he paid that price. I think one of the things that got us through this, this hard season and this hard year was, uh, was community and commu our community group specifically. You know, we hadn't been in this community group for years and years. We've only known these people for a short amount of time, but they loved us like we were their family forever. Uh, and they prayed for us and they called us and they texted us and when we were just had our faces on the ground just crying and in tears and just heartbroken. It felt like we had the extension of their hands on our backs just supporting us. And so for us that was really um, just an extension of God's hand. And so it really lifted us up out of that despair and, you know, a, a difficult time. I really don't know how I could personally, like, some of the guys from, well, most of the guys from, well, all the guys from the community group, <laughs> literally would reach out with a text. And they knew I'm not a really good texter or communicator, <laughs> but, um, and that would literally allow that next morning to come a little easier. And that was, it, it was, you know, I know the Lord would have taken us through this valley um, without community group, but, it would have been such a harder road, you know, realizing, you know, that, you know, that we didn't have that love coming from them. Fear and tragedy used to define me, but now my identity is in Him, and I've been redeemed. Thank you, Max and Catherine, for sharing your redemption story with our church and whoever else is watching, an amazing, authentic story of how God has redeemed you. And what I love about their story is how community played an integral part. So again, you heard Taylor say it earlier, and I'm just gonna say it again. If you are not living life in community, there's many ways to do that, and one of the best ways is through community groups. I would really encourage you, it's jumpin.today. It's a website. Jump in. We'll get you connected to a Zoom community. Uh, there are so many things happening through this season. Isolation is one of the big things that we are battling, and there's nothing better to battle isolation with than relationships, authentic relationship with authentic people that recognize their need for a savior. So Max and Catherine, way to go, guys. Our next story is the one and only Kate Robbins. I'm Kate Robbins, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. My story starts um, in a wonderful situation. I was born into a loving family. Um, we are a product of a work culture. We grew up on a farm, uh, and I learned how to work, but I also watched my parents every single morning 
uh, do devotions together and pray together. Uh, my parents were very supportive people. Um, but it was the 70s, and there was a lot of angst, as many of you know. And I went off to college and became very, um, so I, I would say maybe defiant of the values that I grew up with. After my sophomore year in college, I decided that I was really just not sure of what I wanted. And so a, a friend of mine and I got us a harebrained scheme to go out to Colorado for the summer. Imagining, if you will, Estes Park in the early 1970s, it was just as crazy as you can imagine and probably crazier. <laughs> By the end of that summer, I was really on overload. I had really experienced more pain and um, just things that I really never thought I would experience. And that's when I met a young man named Michael. We found that we really enjoyed each other's company and then we realized that we were absolutely wanted to spend our lives together. We married in uh, June of 1974. And in our early years, and even when we were dating, we were very involved in a little church there in Estes Park. And <clears throat> we both knew that we wanted to have a Christian home. Um, I didn't understand at that time that the, the things that happen to us as children don't automatically leave or get healed because you become an adult. Um, and Michael had been deeply wounded as a child multiple times by many different situations. And so as we became a family, we had two children. In the midst of that, we had three miscarriages, which were very, very painful. And those things and several other occurrences really weighed on him. In our early marriage, uh, he started drinking occasionally, but as the years went by, uh, and life became more challenging in some ways, his drinking increased. When we moved to Wimberley uh, in the mid-80s, we became involved in a local church and our children were involved as well. Um, but gradually, as the children grew and um, life kind of dealt blows to us, he, his drinking increased. There was never any doubt that he loved his family. Uh, but there was an emotional distancing and isolation that just came as a result of that wounding and as a result of his drinking. I saw my husband go through bouts of depression that were significant and deep. And of course I prayed for him. Uh, in the early, it was about 2003, we had been going to another church locally, as I said, and. Um, my daughter, who was still in high school at that time, asked me if I would consider moving to Cypress Creek Church. I began coming to Cypress Creek, and very soon I began to understand that God was calling me to a deeper relationship with Him that wasn't uh, necessarily social in nature. Those first years I felt like I uh, really didn't know anybody at Cypress Creek, I didn't really connect easily. And I know that's an experience that many people have had, but that really changed drastically when I joined a heart group. The women that I joined in the community group, as we call it now, uh, 
became absolutely the foundation that I stood on aside from Jesus Christ. They were my social support system and they knew the pain that I was experiencing and they prayed with me and for me. And many of them had their own difficult experiences that they went through in those years. But I think we met weekly probably for close to 10 years and I'm still intimately knit in my heart with those women. I think that that became what we intended to be here at Cypress Creek, is that is Christ in action in our community. In 2011, Michael's mother became very ill and she had been the primary caretaker for my brother-in-law, Don, who had had a, a very debilitating stroke uh, several years earlier. After his mother passed away, we decided to bring Don into our home. It was something that we did as a couple together and poured our hearts into. And there was some change that happened during that time. Michael was still drinking, he was still isolating, but Jesus was in the midst of that environment. And when we uh, lost Don in June of 2015, about a month later, one evening, Michael said to me, you know, I know I've got to stop drinking. I want what you've got. I'm gonna start going to church with you. I remember thinking, yeah, that's a promise, another one of those promises, and I've heard so many of them. I'm not gonna hold my breath. But the following Sunday morning, he went to church with me. And when Michael jumped into Cypress Creek, he jumped in with both feet. He became involved in several heart groups, men's Bible studies, but most of all, he poured his heart and soul into Celebrate Recovery. He became involved in a step study group. And that step study was the beginning of a transformed mind and heart. As time went by, there were some transitions happening in Celebrate Recovery. And so he and I, as a couple, uh, because God had told me I needed to go too, and we became the ministry leaders under the supervision of Bob Moss. And not just at Cypress Creek. He was able to take a job at Right Step Rehabilitation Center. And very soon we were bringing Celebrate Recovery to Right Step. I really don't have any idea how many lives Michael impacted with his redemption story. But I will tell you that his story was full of joy and healing and peace. It was like living with a whole new man those last several years. In August of 2019, uh, Michael was not feeling well, and it turned out that he had uh, advanced small cell cancer. At that time, the doctor told us that he had three to five years to live. Um, but that didn't turn out to be the case. Um, in February of this year, he went home to be with Jesus. And that's the truth, is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he went to be with Jesus. His love for the Lord was obvious. He walked into uh, those last days of his life loving the Lord. Would I have it different? Would I have him on this earth? Of course. If he were healthy and whole, yes. My message to you this morning, when Jose asked me to do this, I was, in my mind, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this. but. The world is in absolute chaos. 
it's overwhelming for most of us. And for individuals that have woundings, that carry heartaches, that are in the throes of addiction, this additional stress is more than you can handle on your own. I'm just saying, it's never too late. And in these times, we don't know how much time we have left. And so I just encourage you to know that Jesus is waiting. He loves you. And just like he did for my husband, Michael, he will welcome you with open arms. There is a Christian body that wants to love you and care for you and help your wounds to heal. If you give your life to Jesus, he will make something of it. He will do something with it. Something that will amaze, surprise, and bring you deep joy and peace. I pray each of you has a blessed Easter. And thank you, Jesus. Amen. It is never too late. Thank you, Kate, for sharing your story. Thank you for honoring Michael's life. And I'll never forget celebrating Michael's life in this room in feeling so close to heaven. Because the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that we have in Jesus allows us to recognize that this isn't it. That we have hope beyond this life that our current circumstances can't define us because we have victory over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Jesus has conquered death. And so if you're still in that place of, of not really understanding what your resurrection story is or what it means to be redeemed by Jesus, again, I encourage you, just seek Jesus. Don't seek out religion. Don't seek out, you know, trying to do the right thing in order to receive from God. Right now where you are, ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. He will. It's free. What he has done for us on the cross is enough. And so we can come to him and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need your strength. I need your grace. I need your power in my life. I can't do it alone. And when we say those words, God shows up. God shows up. And so we're gonna close our service today by celebrating communion, by participating at the Lord's table. You have a table at home maybe, or you just have a plate or something if you don't. Go quickly and, and grab whatever you can find. Again, it doesn't really matter what's on the plate or what's on the table. It, what matters is what's in your heart and in our posture as we honor and as we celebrate the gruesome death of Jesus. As we read God's word in, in Matthew, or in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, it says that now as they were eating, Jesus, he took the bread. And after blessing it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many 
for the forgiveness of sins. And so we are not here together, but we can come around the Lord's table and have fellowship and have communion with one another in this time. So let me pray. And then we'll all take communion together. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Lord, we think of the sin right now that had us in shackles. The sin that that spoke lies into our lives that we were not good enough or that we were defined by our circumstances. Lord, that we didn't have what it takes to overcome. Lord, I pray against all of those lies in, in my life and in all of our lives that hold us back from the truth of who you are. And I ask, Father, as we partake of your body, that we would recognize that you gave your body for us and that we are enough now. You see us and you meet us right where we are. You may not change our earthly circumstance, but you sure give us strength through it and you point us to an eternal circumstance and reality where we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to fear abandonment. We can be filled with the glory of God in your presence forever and ever. And Father, I thank you for your blood that covers us. Father, the blood that covers us fully, any sin, any sin, they can't even come close to separating us from you because of your blood. And we thank you again for the resurrection that we get to celebrate today. And I ask for your blessing to be over every household, over every person and family watching this. We join right now. We join one another around your table and we give all the glory to you, Jesus, the name above all other names. It is in your name we pray, amen.